0: welcome to the successful fashion freelancer podcast i am your host heidi and my goal is to help you be a badass freelancer in the fashion industry Now, just to be really, really clear, when I talk about freelancing, I am talking about true remote work where you get to set your own flexible schedule. You get freedom to choose projects that you wanna work on and brands that you love. This is very different than what is often referred to as freelancing in the fashion industry. I call it permalancing where you work for a brand, essentially full time for 40 hours a week, maybe for a month, two months, three months. And then the project ends and you're essentially unemployed again. That is not the type of work we talk about here on the SFF show. And that is not the type of work I personally condone. It is abusive to our industry and is not really a good deal for you, but it's really a good deal for the brands. So true remote freelance work, which is how I built my career from $0 the first year of freelancing upwards to six figures. And that for me was life-changing. That was... The dream life that I had always wanted in fashion, this was after I had my air quote successful brand where I earned upwards of $40,000 my first, not my first year, but I think my second or third year, I was a young 20 something with no idea what I was doing and I created a brand and I sold stuff and I made money. Um, The thing was that only about 8,000 of that was profit because every penny went back into the business and it wasn't a sustainable way for me to live. I didn't even feel like I was actually getting to design or do anything. I was running a business and doing customer service and admin work and invoices and inventory and it wasn't fun and then I was an employee and that wasn't fun either because I was working 60 to 80 hours a week and making $22,000 a year and it was tough and toxic and I hated it and after almost falling out of love with the fashion industry I found freelancing and yes my first year zero dollars was not the best but I figured it out and I grew up to six figures of income and this was all before the pandemic, before remote work was the norm and was more common and more accessible in our industry. So if I could do it back then, you can do it as well. Today on the show, I have one of my successful fashion freelancer students who kickstarted her freelance business, I think, gosh, about a year and a half, maybe two years ago. And she is kicking so much ass, you guys. Amy Barnhart is doing such an amazing job with her freelance career and she talks all about how it started from her cold pitching to how she has grown now where work is literally falling in her lap she has plenty of work and she does not have to go out and sell herself and get any more work Um, speaking of selling yourself we talk a lot about the sales process and how amy was really really terrified of it at the beginning and how she has grown to actually almost like it Um, even though she really doesn't have to do it anymore because she gets so many referrals and Uh, inquiries from contacts and people that she has built relationships with. Um, She talks about all about the strategies that she has done to grow her freelance career. We talk a little bit about pricing and um, just the whole process. So there's so much insight in this interview and if you were intrigued by the title (laughs) Amy never wanted to be a freelancer she didn't even really realize or know that it was an option as a career and so we talk a little bit about that in the interview and so I won't do any spoilers with that but I thought that was kind of a fun title because I know there's people out there who don't think about it as an option because you just don't think it's an option but it is and Amy is another one of my successful fashion freelancer students here to prove to you today that freelancing is not only an option but it is a great way to make a very very comfortable career for your yourself with freedom and flexibility in life so you can have a work-life balance and spend some time with your family um, and do all the other things okay i also beyond the interviews i want to help you with the resources and tools that you need to get ahead as a freelancer so head on over to soheidi.com freelance uh, for my best free resources to help you and you can scroll down and get that direct link in the show notes um, as well as the links to any other resources mentioned in this episode okay enough jibba jabba Let's jump into the interview with Amy. Amy, welcome to the Successful Fashion Freelancer podcast. I am so, so, so excited to hear updates. I know a little bit of your story and you've given me little teasers via email (laughs) and stuff. And I feel like a lot of big things are happening um, in your freelance career. But before we get to that, please give everybody an introduction and let them know who you are and what you do in the fashion industry.
1: So my name's Amy, and I'm a freelance menswear designer. Um, I've been in the industry about eight years, and I started out in, like, the active outdoor world, so, like, REI and outdoor research. Um, and then I moved over to Tommy Bahama, so I was there for five years on the men's design team. Um, and when I was there, I got to move around a lot, which was awesome, so I got to work on almost all the men's product while I was there. And then about a year and a half ago, I had a kid, and I wanted more work-life balance. So I decided
0: to make the switch over to freelance. Okay. And I'm going to, like, quote you on something right away. Um, (laughs) I was just reading some updates from some, some emails and stuff. And you said, I never wanted to become a freelancer, but I'm happy I did it. So can you talk a little bit about, I mean, you were working in the corporate world for many years and then things changed and you decided to explore this path that you never wanted to do before. Like, tell us a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I, I really love my job. I like working, like I worked for smaller companies, i worked for bigger companies. Like I like working for big companies with like departments and like budgets and, <laughs> you know, insurance. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I never, like, I feel like you listen to a lot of these podcasts and people say, like, I've always wanted to do my own thing. I always wanted to be yeah. my own boss. And, like, I definitely never felt that. Um, I liked working, like, on a team, at a big company. But, yeah, I... And I loved my job. My last job was great. Um, um, but, yeah, I came back from my maternity leave. And I decided pretty quickly that um, the job wasn't, like, a good fit for me anymore. Like, my life had changed, obviously. Um, so... I like I never mind it. Like I'm a really hard worker. I never mind working like never mind it working like long hours or weekends or whatever. But just coming back from like having a kid and you want more, more of like a balance and more, more like flexibility. That's the like the main thing. Yeah. Um. So I yeah I decided pretty quickly that it wasn't a good fit for me anymore, and I basically I did some research like part-time isn't really an option in this industry is not at least on as far as, um, like what I want to do. Um, those jobs don't really exist. So it kind of seemed like the only option was freelance. So I, I kind of talked to people that I know who are in like the entrepreneurial or like kind of freelancing space in our industry, um, to like kind of learn more. Cause it was something I was never interested in before. So I knew, I knew nothing about this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so long story short, I did some research, I talked to some people and I made like a plan of kind of how I wanted it to go. And I gave a lot of them a notice. I gave like almost a month's notice. Okay. And I quit and
0: here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. You said you made a plan of how you wanted it to go. Like, what did that plan look like? Um, so the plan, like,
1: like on like in, into the weeds, like my life. So we're going to keep our kid in daycare for three months after I quit in his full-time daycare. So I could really like hustle and try to like drum up as much work as I can Mm -hmm. and like could like get a bunch of seeds planted. Um, I kind of tried to start working on that while I was still at my full-time job and it was just too, it was just too much and I was lucky enough that I was able to just like take the risk and jump. Mm. Um, so three months in daycare, hustle, 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 um, him out of daycare for, like, a few months until he turned one when part-time daycare becomes an option. Mm. Um, So then he could go to daycare three days a week. I could work, like, all day those days and then either take the other two days off to hang out with him the whole time or, like, when he's napping, I would work. So, like, that was was the plan. That was the plan.
0: (laughs) Okay. Yeah. And then what actually happened? (laughs) Uh, COVID happened.
1: COVID, yeah. uh, Yeah, everything was going great. (laughs) And then his daycare wasn't even open when he was supposed to start. So, um, And since my work is really flexible, we made the decision to keep him home for now.
0: Okay, gotcha. So I am working like...
1: He naps and at nights and the mornings and you
0: know you know how it goes. I, I know how it goes. Yeah, your your <laughs> son's two years old, mine's one, yeah. so you're a little ahead of me, but I still know I still know the juggle. Yeah, um, we've yet to have the luxury of daycare, so I'm like, oh my gosh, when I get like daycare's one great. one or two days a week, that's going to be like life changing. <laughs> yeah, <daycare's great. laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just been with us full time for the whole year, as as a, as most people in the world right now know. Um, yeah. Okay, so. Like let's go back a little bit though to the to the initial transition. So you quit your job, you said, "Okay, I'm going to give him a month's notice. I'm going to freelance. I'm going to quit." And then the initial idea then was like, "Okay, put him in daycare for 3 months full-time so that you have the opportunity to plant seeds." But that so that was all before COVID, right? Then. Yep. Yep. So did did that happen kind of as you planned?
1: Yeah, yeah, that went great. I was in a really good spot and I had I had like some clients and I had a bunch of brands that I was talking to that were like, we have this specific project that we are going to start in March. So I had like four, like oh, no. like six clients or potential clients that were like March. And I was like, okay, they're probably not all going to come through, but I feel like probably a few of them are going to come through. So yeah. March is going to be like a good month. and so My <laughs> kids are going to be home. So it's going to be crazy. And then it turned out like March was I mean, I remember March very well because that's what was happening to me. But that's when everyone was starting to, like, lock down and everyone was, like, freaked out. You don't know what's going to happen. And so all of those things, some of them completely fall through. Most of them came through later. Yeah. Um, But so March was, you know, not exactly what I expected to happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And then, yeah, and then our take care. Okay. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it was going going great. And then it did pick up again later. But there was that, like, little. Little. Yeah. Giant.
0: Yeah. Giant hiccup. (laughs) Okay. So, COVID aside, I want to talk about the beginning of your freelance business because I think for a lot of people, that's like one of the hardest stages is to kickstart with those first few clients. So, remind me when you started Successful Fashion Freelancer in relation to like when you actually quit your job and started freelancing or like when, what was the timeline for that?
1: So, I took your class after I'd already quit, um, but I had found your guide. Like, probably a month before I quit. Okay. And so, so yeah, that's kind of the timeline on that. Like, I kind of started it. So, talk before.
0: Yeah. Talk a little bit about like reaching out and what was the process for getting those first few clients? Like, what did you do? How did you get them? You know, like, tell us all about that.
1: Yeah. So, I basically. Like I found a bunch of brands that I was interested in working in and
0: like emailed them just
1: saying like – like just cold email pitching. So saying like, hey, I really like your brand. Um, this is – you know, I like this thing that you're doing. I like this specific product, whatever, something about them to let them know, you know, I know who you are. And I'm not okay. just like blindly emailing a bunch of people. So very tailored emails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I try to be like super – like so like I – try, I try to be super like personal and like nice. yeah. Um, and I'm obviously like honest and authentic, but I definitely try to be like a real person. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like this is what I like for your brand. This is what I'm doing. Um, would you be interested in like taking a look at my portfolio? So I sent just like a bunch of those emails out. Um, and then, yeah, I heard I heard back like it went pretty quick, actually. So I sent, you know, I sent like 10 emails back. I heard back from I probably heard back from like half of them. I got like three of them on the phone and I got like two projects out of it.
0: That's amazing.
1: Yeah, it was pretty well. Like I keep track of my numbers. I really like that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. And that was like my first pitch, but I didn't even think it was any good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But I think like, not I, I think, I know what it comes down to, like is what you said. You put some personality and it's genuine and it's really tailored and specific to the company. You didn't just like... Blindly throw out this generic email. Hey, I'm looking for freelance work. Hey, I'm looking for freelance work, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you got really personalized, and and you also had like a really soft, um, non, no pressure sort of call to action, which was like, yeah. would you like to look at my portfolio? Like a yes or no, so easy for them to answer.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would get like my pitch has gotten like I don't I haven't done I haven't pitched in a while, but like it got better as I went. So okay. Like, I feel like those first ones didn't really feel like me. And then you get into it, but like, I would get responses from people that were just like, Oh, thank you so much for your nice note. <laughs> like just cause I'm, you know, talking to their brand and like complimenting them sincerely. And yeah. so I think that even when people aren't interested in hearing from you, like everyone likes a compliment.
0: So they do. And nobody yeah. sends that sort of stuff. Everybody's like, yeah. here's my resume, my portfolio. Let me know if you have any freelance work for me.
1: Yeah. Which does not work. No one wants to hear that.
0: (laughs) No. Okay. So you sent, let's just say for the start, you sent out 10, you heard back from five, you got like three on the phone. What are you even talking about them talking to them on the phone about? Because that I think for a lot of people could feel very intimidating. Um, tell us about that moment. Like what were your, what was your feeling? And then what do you even talk about on the phone?
1: Yeah. So, do you want to hear about like my first calls or like what I do now that I am working?
0: Yeah. Let's hear. So. Yeah. No, I want to hear about the beginning because yeah. this is where a lot of people are, and then we can also talk about like your transition, right? So we can talk about where you were at the beginning and then what you're doing now and like how it's different.
1: Yeah. Okay. So in the beginning, um, it's hard to like lead, like learn to lead those calls, and like mm-hmm. honestly, I still sometimes they start talking before I have a chance, so mm-hmm. I'm still not. I'm still learning, um, but in the beginning. Like they they all want to talk about like what they're doing. So it's usually like they're telling you what they're doing. And then I would just, you know, give them they want to hear about your experience. So I tell them like what I what I like my background. Mm-hmm. And then they I would I ask them I would just try to like learn more about their brand instead of more getting into like the nitty gritty of like, do you need help? Like what do you need help with? Like what are you working on? So mm-hmm. I would I would get a little like too broad in the beginning. Um, and then I would end up in a place where for some of the calls they would be like, well, I feel like I need your help, but I don't know with what. Mm. And so like, now I know it's cause I wasn't being specific enough, but at that time, like it happened to me over and over again. <laughs> and I wasn't really sure like what I was doing or what I could do differently. Um, so that's kind of how they went in the beginning. Um, and I, st- I mean, it's still, I still got work,
0: um, mm-hmm. but it
1: was a little bit more of a struggle.
0: Okay. <laughs> Like, yeah, at the end of the call, like, where do you even leave off with, like, okay, well, here's what I can help you with. Or, like, how do you initiate that project? Um, So, usually, well, like, at that time
1: when I wasn't doing a great job of, like, controlling the conversation, if they had, like, a specific thing they knew they wanted help with, mm-hmm. they would, like, talk about that thing. And I would be like, yeah, um, I can help you with that. Let me send you a proposal, basically. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it went in the beginning before I...
0: Okay. And what kind of brands are these? Are these like small one-person startups? They're working out their basement. Are these like, they have 20 employees, like where, where just roughly?
1: It varies. So I've worked with smaller brands and like bigger, more established brands, but like kind of my sweet spot is just like a like small to medium size. So okay. not necessarily a one, one person show.
0: Okay. Um, so maybe but, like a 10 to 30, 40 person team or something like company as a whole. Roughly, would that be medium?
1: Yeah, that sounds, that sounds about right. I mean, it's okay. been broader than that, but yeah. Yeah,
0: more my, that's kind my, of your sweet spot. Sweet spot. Yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, so they're like, that sounds good. You're like, okay, yeah, I can help you with that. Let me send you a proposal. So let's talk about the proposal. Then, like, what do you send? Are you like, oh, God, what's my pricing? How do I figure this out? Or were you, how are you feeling? Um, so when I started, I
1: did hourly, um, based on your advice, Heidi. So I did <laughs> hourly, and I would give, like, a range, and then for my um, – for my like hourly rate at that time, I was doing the like drop three zeros thing that you recommend because okay. That makes it really easy. So that's how I started. Yeah. And so I would like guess how long something took me and give them like a higher and lower range. Okay. Um, and then in the proposal, yeah, I would just try to be really specific about what I was doing. Um, and when they could expect things and what they would be getting and and all that stuff.
0: Okay. So really good detail and communication. And just for people listening, the drop three zeros trick, I'll just tell you that really quickly. I covered in my free um, guide to freelancing, which we'll link to in the show notes. But essentially you take what your yearly salary would be if you were working full time. So whether that's 50,000 or 80,000 or 20,000, whatever the number, and you just drop three zeros. And that could be your hourly price that would be comparable to. Um, so if you're making, let's say 50,000, then your hourly rate could be $50 an hour and like just simple cut and dry. So easy. I did not come up with this either, by the way, I swiped that from Ramit Sethi. Um, but it's just a really simple way to figure it out where you're not just like arbitrarily pulling a number out of the air. That sounds good. Um, it actually is a good range that like will compensate you fairly based on your full time salary price. Um, Okay. So, I love that you just kept it simple and didn't overthink it because pricing is something that everybody, like, will spin their wheels on forever and then never actually get started because they're so afraid of, like, how to price something.
1: Yeah, there are so many things like that, like, when you're doing your own thing. Yeah. Like, you just have to, like, get it good enough and get it out the yes, door. for sure. And then you learn from it and you
0: change it, yeah. Right. Like, you said your pitches were not that great at the beginning, but you still got work and yeah. you, how you led the phone calls were not that great. And I'm sure you've adjusted your pricing and all these things have grown and developed. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how did those first few projects go? Like, what did you learn? Like, what are some things you messed up on or things that went well? Like, tell us a little bit about that experience, your like first few projects as a freelancer.
1: Yeah. I mean, honestly, they went pretty great. Um, I definitely, I did the thing where I totally underestimated how long something was going to take me. Um, (laughs) but (laughs) part of the
0: learning process. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, that, I feel like that's the, the only thing that really went. Like quote unquote wrong, but I was still happy to do it. Like I knew, I knew it was happening, and it was one of those things where like I could have reined it in, but I really thought they needed everything that I was. It was like a like a trend report, and I really mm. thought they needed all this information. Mm. And so I was like, I could have reined it in, but it wouldn't have been best for them. So I just went for it, and then afterwards, like just told him.
0: Like, what did I, you tell him? Yeah, tell tell us a little I, bit about that.
1: Yeah, so I was, like um, I talked to him after. I was just like, oh, I. Just so you know, like, if we do this again, um, I underestimated how long it was going to take me. So I was obviously happy to do it at that price. Um, I thought you needed all this information, so I didn't want to, like, rein it in. But if we did this in the future, it took me more, like, this amount of time. Okay. And he was fine with that. He was like, okay. He was like, let me write that down. Good. <laughs> like, how long it actually took me. And then he was like, yeah, I would imagine it's probably hard to, like, estimate how long something's going to take you. Because, like, yeah. in your in-house job, you're not timing yourself.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, I love that he was, like, really open to that. And that's what I have found in my career, too, is that people are really open to those, um, those conversations. Yeah. yeah. So, it's all about the communication, right? You just have to be really transparent.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, when you're honest and, and open, people really, like, they trust you more. and
0: Yeah.
1: are everyone makes
0: mistakes, so. For sure. Okay. So you're a couple projects in, things are going pretty well other than maybe messing up on a little bit of pricing stuff, which is just, again, part of the learning process. Everybody goes through that. You will mess it up. Um, how are you like feeling in general as a freelancer considering that like, you know, maybe a year prior before your son was born, you were like, you had never really thought about this as a career path.
1: Um, I mean, I don't know. It's just like Having your own, basically, like your own business, it's just such a different way of, like, using your brain and thinking. Um, so I definitely would have moments where I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? <laughs> like what? But overall, it's like I, I like to learn new things. Like I really liked in my last in-house job, they let me move around. Um, I get, you know, I don't want to design the same thing for 10 years. I don't want to be mm-hmm. in the same job for 10 years. Yeah. I like to learn new things. So it's definitely challenging in a new way. So, like, I'm not going to say I would never go back in-house um, and that I didn't have moments where I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? But <laughs> overall, um, I've enjoyed the experience of, like, really learning something new and using your brain in, like, a whole new way.
0: Yeah. Like, what are some of those whole new ways that you feel like you're, you're using your brain and, and things you're learning? Oh, man. Every, I feel like everything. Oh, <laughs> everything like except what? for
1: the yeah. job itself and even the job itself, it's different because you're... Oh. Not at a company. So just like like your website and like talking to customers and like learning marketing stuff and cold email pitching, like I never wanted to be a salesperson. <laughs> 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 I never wanted to do that. So that's a whole whole other thing. It's just like all you're doing all the jobs. Like all the jobs.
0: Yeah. How does it feel being a salesperson for yourself?
1: It's totally I mean, it's totally different than what I would have thought of. As a salesperson, like you know, how like three years ago, like yeah, well, you're selling your own product, and and now that I've been doing it, because when I first started, I I was I wasn't thinking I wanted to do this for like the long term. It was more like this is what's right for me right now. Okay, with like a small baby. Back, yeah, yeah, and like I definitely want to go back in house at some point, like and now it's you more you see like I'm working with smaller brands, like these people, they like they really need your help like they actually need your help. And so you're not just like, you want to pay me some money and I'll do this like design project for you. Like you're really (laughs) helping people. Um, and so it just, yeah, it just feels a little different.
0: Like, so, I mean, I think what I'm kind of hearing you say is like, it, it feels different selling yourself because you're selling yourself for like great projects that people that like really need your services as opposed to, uh, you're selling yourself for like, pay me this money and I'll do this thing.
1: Yeah, like you're really helping people. Like yeah. it's different than, yeah, you're not just like trying to make money for yourself. Like you are actually helping people.
0: <laughs> so would you um, say do like, things, like, they couldn't yeah, ahead
1: necessarily ahead. do without you?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to like extrapolate or put words in your mouth, but it's almost like maybe it's, um, Feels good to be out there offering your services because you're instead of being like, hey, give me money for this thing, it's more like I can help you, let me help you. And yes, yeah. there's a transaction involved, there's money involved, but it's it has just like a whole different tone to it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. That's really cool because the sales part is probably one of the things people struggle with the most, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was
1: definitely. I was like, what am I? I'm cold emailing people? What <laughs> am I
0: doing? Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So then COVID hits, I mean, more or less we're like jumping around probably a little bit, but like you get your few projects, you learn some things, it's going pretty well. Selling yourself is not as bad as maybe you had thought it was going to be. Um, and COVID hits, you had some projects, unfortunately, all these great projects that were supposed to hit and then they didn't. And then when did you start to see things like kind of pick back up?
1: So, like, I was still working. It was okay. just nothing new was coming in. Okay. Um, and then, say, like, June.
0: Okay. Things started yeah. rolling in again. And so, how were you getting these new projects? Were these people you had talked to before? Did you start doing some more pitching, or where was stuff coming from? There were people
1: I talked to before, and then like referrals from like past clients. Or like, I have a an old instructor that I stay in touch with, and so she'll, she'll send me stuff. Okay. Um. So yeah, people I'd already talked to um, that I've stayed in touch with and then referrals.
0: Can you talk a little bit about staying in touch with people? Like, what does that look like?
1: So I like right now it's like on an individual basis. Like I would like, you know, one day to have like an email list and that sort of thing. But right now I f- have like, you'll pitch to people and they'll be like, not right now, stay in touch. And so I will like, so, you know, set a calendar reminder, however often, and just email people, um, And, you know, be like, oh, I saw this article, like I thought of you, how's it going, just like staying in touch um, and, you know, showing them something that you think they might be interested in and just, you know, keeping yourself top of mind, but then also letting them know, like you were thinking of them, like that you're interested in like them and their brand. So I kind of do that like on an individual basis and like past clients I'll check in with and just be like, oh, how this thing I did for you go. Right, just follow up. How's this shirt looking? Yeah. And then just like... (laughs) you know, how's it going? If we're not continuing to like work together on a regular basis, I'll just like check it.
0: Yeah. And so like, those are very strategic check-ins. Like you do genuinely care about their well being and their projects and stuff. And so, or you, you know, you see something that looks valuable that they might find some interest in and you send it over. It's not just, Hey, checking in to see if you had any freelance work for me. Yeah. 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 So again, and I think that kind of like goes back to, this foundation of like, you're there to genuinely help them. And, and when you have that mindset about it, everything comes across as that. And then they're more excited to hire you and give you the money versus like, Hey, do you have any work for me?
1: Yeah. 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 And like people really love when you stay in touch with them. Like this is so out. This was like so out of my comfort zone when I started that I was like, I feel like I'm annoying you But you hear over and over again, like, oh, I really appreciate you staying in touch. Thanks for sending this article. Like, I've definitely gotten hired and the person was literally like, you're really good at follow up. So we want to work with you.
0: That's amazing. It's just
1: because I'm staying in touch.
0: Yeah. I think I remember talking with you about that in the course about you like being like, Oh, this is weird. Like, why am I just emailing them for nothing? Like it felt... Or like I feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Why do you think you feel uncomfortable? You, I mean, it, it sounds like you don't really anymore? No, because they love it. Okay. So I why just, did like, you feel, feel uncomfortable like at the beginning? Yeah. I just feel like I'm... I felt like I was like bothering
1: people. Uh, like I felt the same way about you send a pitch and then you follow up a couple times. Uh-huh. And that felt like I was like harassing them, but that's not really how people <laughs> see it.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: I just, cause like the sales thing is so out of, was, was so out of my like comfort zone. Yeah. So I think I was projecting how someone else might feel.
0: Yeah. (laughs) So it sounds like you cold pitched in the beginning and then your whole business has grown through more through like relationships and contacts and like staying in touch and, and you're not having to do necessarily that cold pitch outreach anymore.
1: Yeah. I haven't done that in a while. Like if I nice. tomorrow had 40 hours a week to work, I might start again. Yeah. Um, but I haven't had to do that in a while.
0: That's awesome. Like
1: I've, I've gotten referrals from like factories before too, which is pretty cool.
0: Oh, talk a little bit about that.
1: Um, I was on a, basically on a call with a factory and something came up about like their other, the factory's other customers and like how, long it took them to like review protos with them and how hard it was because they didn't have these tech packs and they thought my tech packs were really good and I was like well if you have someone that needs help that you like working with like you could send them to me yeah um and so like, I've gotten some some referrals that way that's awesome which is awesome like yeah. and I was like oh I'm doing a good job <laughs>
0: the <laughs>
1: factory's recommending you like, I'm yeah doing a good
0: job But what I love too is that you like, you threw it out there to them because you have to ask for what you want and you don't have to do it in like a scuzzy way. It sounds like you just really like non, non non-pressure just said, Hey, you know what? If you have people like I'm here to help. Right. Yeah. 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 Again, gosh, that's just definitely a theme. It goes back to like the, I'm here to help instead of I'm here to make money and do the thing yeah 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 people can can
1: read that yeah
0: definitely hey listener quick 15 second announcement if you're ready to start freelancing and escape the corporate politics and bs visit soheidi.com slash freelance for my best free resources that's s-e-w-h-e-i-d-i.com slash freelance i will help you take back your schedule and your life now back to the episode Um, okay. So let's talk a little bit about your initial conversations with brands, like the phone call portion, because I know that you said at the beginning, the calls went very differently than they go now. So, and like, maybe at the beginning you were too broad and you didn't really lead them. So like, what are some of the things you learned and that you're doing differently and how is that helping? Yeah. So now I try to like pre-frame the whole
1: conversation ahead of time. So I will, um, just so you're not wandering too much. So let them know like, okay, I have a scheduled for like 20 minutes or half an hour. So they know like they're in a time limit. Like if you have a storyteller mm. on the phone. Oh, or um, just someone who just wants a bunch limit. of advice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you're not ending up like coaching them on the call. Yeah. That's, that's awkward. Yeah. I want to tell someone, you, you know, that's awkward. So preframe it ahead of time. Um, and let them know that at the end of the call... I found this to be very helpful. Let's know that at the end of the call, that if it makes sense for both of you, you can... We're, if it makes sense for both of us and it sounds good to you, like, we can talk about ways we could work together. Okay. And then pre-framing it that way, I found sets it up. So, like, at the end of their call, they usually bring it up before I do. Like, they're ready to talk about it. And so it's not, like, this awkward, like, okay, well, let's stay in touch, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I found this to be very helpful. So, yeah, we usually... They, often they want to know kind of about you. They'll tell you about themselves first. So, like, I want to know, like, what you're working on, um, like, what you're up to, learn more about your brand, and then, like, tell them a little bit more about me. They always want to hear that. And then that will usually end up, lead up to the end of the call where you're like, okay, you have this, like, tech pack project that you're working on. And I'm also, I'm more specific now on exactly what I work on. So it's like I do designs, a, like trend, I do design, I do like tech packs, I can help you with like your factory communication, like put a review, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm more specific about it than I thought I was being specific at the beginning, but I don't think I was being specific enough. And then I would end up with all these brands that were like, I, I know I need your help, but I don't know what. <laughs> and, so, and so I like, I don't have that issue anymore. Cause I'm much more specific about like, this is what I do. And then if they have a random request and I can do that thing, I can say yes
0: to it, but I'm not leading with that. Okay. So then is that so, yeah. just like, you're just as clear as you just kind of said to me, you're like, here's what I can help with. I can do trend. I can do design tech packs and then helping with proto review and, and communicating with the factory. Is that kind of how you just p- present it? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And specifically menswear. Yes. Menswear. And only. then what's that? I said
1: only menswear. Preference. Only
0: menswear. Okay. <laughs> and then like any specific categories within menswear or like how niche are you on that? And I'm um, generally.
1: Yeah generally lifestyle but a lot of the brands that i work with and i did this when i was in-house to um do golf so i yeah
0: oh my god that's right we both have a golf background i think we've talked about this before (laughs) we might have (laughs) yeah okay okay so lifestyle slash golf so you're not like trying to do any and all menswear no okay no okay um Wonderful. And so it sounds like those calls go really well. And like you said, at the end, it sounds like they're just finally saying, like they bring it up before you said of like, okay, great. Well, let's talk about how we can work together. Yep. Basically. Yeah. And so then what comes next? So
1: then, um, they usually like say they, they know exactly what they want. Um, we often will like talk, I'll talk about pricing on the call.
0: Um,
1: and then I will send them a proposal and then depending on how big it is, like, I may or may not have, like, a signed, like, official thing or I may or may not do, like, a 50% upfront. front. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I send them all that information and then they send it back to me and I, I get going.
0: Okay. So can you talk a little bit about, like, how has your pricing changed from the beginning? Because I know – so you said at the beginning you did the drop three zeros thing. You just did a flat hourly. Um, what are you doing now and, and how did you transition to that?
1: I usually do project-based. Okay. Um, and I – I basically transitioned to it because I was trying to price all these tech packs, and I was, it was stressing me out so much that I was like, "I'm going to charge this much and call it a day and see what happens." <laughs> so I basically just switched. Um, I just switched that way. I just made the decision for a project and
0: never and switched back. over. Okay. Yeah. How has that felt?
1: I'm pretty good. I do hourly sometimes, depending on what it is. Like, if it's something that is too hard to like guess a project rate for, or like if I have ongoing work where I'm, like, doing factory communication. Like, I want to change that to project-based at some point, but right now I don't really know how long it takes me to it can vary so much, so I'm just doing hourly for that.
0: Okay, gotcha. project-based is great. I imagine you've learned a few lessons. I mean, I've learned a lot of lessons. (laughs) (laughs) Like, share... Okay. So like the first one, I mean, I guess, you know, you talked about the one where you really underestimated the trend project and then you just had the conversation with your client afterwards and he was like, yeah, that was fine. But that was still an hourly, but you had given him in a range of hours. And so then you had gone beyond the range.
1: Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, yeah. So I guess like pricing wise, like I did that another time and the project was like, a really random project that like now I don't know that I would have done that project, but at the time I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and it took me a lot, like they got a heck of a deal on that. And <laughs> I was like, this is so random. Like they're never going to ask me to do this thing again. So I'm not even going to bother having the conversation. Like, Hey, this took me a lot longer. Oh, yeah. Cause you're just like, I'm moving on. This is done. Yeah. And then a year later they're like, can you do that thing for us again? And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> I was like, sure. Here's the price. And I didn't, I didn't even like explain why it was more. I just, I was just like, I don't know. I just did it. What did they say? (laughs)
0: Did they hire you?
1: Not for this. No, this was a, like a client that asked for a lot of proposals and (laughs) don't always uh, respond to them. So So they didn't get back to me on that specific one, but I've definitely done different projects for them since (laughs) then. So that was a lesson. Like, if you think this is never going to come up again, like, every time I think that, I'm wrong. So you should just do it anyway. You should do the thing you don't want to do because it will come up
0: again. <laughs> yeah. Which would have been have the conversation with them right then about the price. Yeah. yeah. And not that you recollect any of the money because it was your fault. You take the blame. But, like, yeah. you just still need to have the conversation so that they're aware for the future.
1: Yeah. that If it comes up again. Yeah. Which, it will if you don't have the conversation. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> the lesson I've learned. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And so then how do you, like, I guess, you know, you had commented earlier with the, with in-house work, you hadn't, you don't really track your time as to how long things take you. So did you just slowly start tracking your time and then get a better gauge and then backwards engineer some of your project pricing?
1: Yeah. So I time, I time everything that I do, even though I don't charge. Oh, you hours. still
0: time it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Just to you know, cause like you get faster and then yeah. I really like, I really like the numbers. So I'm like, okay, yeah, I made, I made this much hour, much this much an hour on this project. Like I really like to know all that stuff. Sure. It's like a, like a game. <laughs> yeah, so- I get it. So I still track all that stuff even though I'm not charging that way anymore. And then, you know, like what's really worth your time and what's not also.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, too, cause I think it can be really be easy to lose sight like we're really bad at estimating time like we might yeah. think something takes way longer or takes way shorter and so you could wind up quoting a project and then you think oh yeah that turned out really well and then you're like well you no, know, I really spent like 30 hours on that and I only charged them for like 15 and you just didn't even yeah. realize it because you just yeah. you next thing you know you get sucked into the time vortex yeah. yeah um what do you use to track your time like how do you do that Uh, toggle toggle. It's
1: just like T O G G L. It's just like a online app. app. It's free or at least the version I use is free.
0: Okay, cool. Cool. Um, we'll link to that in the show notes. Um, okay. So can you talk a little bit about like pricing conversations with your clients and how those go? Uh, yeah. So
1: I, I need to get like all my pricing and stuff up on my website, but usually Mm -hmm. they will ask how much something costs and I just tell them how much it costs and
0: and that's it yeah it's as simple as that yeah okay so it sounds like you have pretty set like little packages like a, is a tech pack like this much or is there a range depending on the type of garment or like
1: yeah okay. yeah so like for tech packs like I have a range depending on the type of garment and like I can based on what they tell me on the phone I can let them know how much it would be
0: okay like if they're like it's a jacket versus a t-shirt yeah exactly, exactly. okay okay gotcha um And what has been the reaction to your pricing?
1: Um, I mean, usually, I guess, like, I've had someone, like, one client ask for a discount, but, like, only one client ever, and I gave it to them on the first project, and then after that, they asked for another one, and I said no, and they still went ahead with the project, so... Oh, that's great. Yeah, I haven't really had a lot of resistance to it.
0: Okay, so what else is there? Talk a little bit about your website. Like I think I keep saying, I think I know these things. Cause I talk to people out there all the time in the, the SFD community who, you know, want to freelance or are trying to freelance or something. And I think people put a lot, a lot, a lot of weight into their portfolio, their website slash portfolio. So can you talk a little bit about, um, what you have set up and, How important that is or isn't, and how often you update it, and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, I haven't updated. Well, I guess I I haven't updated my portfolio itself in a while. I need to actually do that. But
0: actually, I like hearing that. Though (laughs) you like keep getting work and keeping referrals and keep getting clients, and you haven't updated your portfolio like in a while. How long is a while? Can you just give us time? Oh, like two years.
1: Okay. Well, no, not two years. Not two years, like.
0: I don't know, like a year and a half.
1: Oh, it's been a while. A good while. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So when I first started, I just had like my portfolio website, like I would use to look for an in-house job. Um, and I had it set up like, and it's still this way cause I haven't updated it, but like old school, like I could print it out into a book to bring in to uh, an interview if someone wanted to look at a physical book, which okay. people don't right now. But yeah, so I had it in that format. So it was just like plotted out in InDesign and you scroll through the pages basically. And that was all I had. I just had like a portfolio website and I I didn't have any issues finding work with that. And now I've, um, changed it more into like a freelance website and it's definitely a work in progress.
0: (laughs) What would you, like, how would you define it more as like a freelance website? Like, what did you change? So I have like a
1: services page. I have like a more in-depth like about me. I have like clients that I've worked with listed. I have like a couple of testimonials, like okay. that sort of thing. So kind of heading off some of those questions that you're getting on your like discovery calls at the past, like try right. to get that up on my
0: website. So. so do you usually direct them there and just say like take a look through here. It's going to answer a lot of your questions and then we can cover all this other stuff on the call.
1: I actually haven't had like a pitch or like a call where someone wanted to look at my website in a long time, so I haven't tested
0: it yet <laughs> so, so I don't know. do you think they even are looking at your website? I know people are looking at
1: my website um, i don't i mean I don't know like i'm not I don't get. I don't get very many, like, inquiries from my website. Um, And then I definitely have, like, gotten referrals where, like, the person never looked at my
0: website. Right. Okay. So that was more the question I was curious about um, Uh because this is exactly what I found is that when you get referrals, a lot of times people don't even, like, look at anything you've done. They're just, like, they trust the referral and you go right into work.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So then that portfolio on the website becomes so – irrelevant. I mean, not saying that you don't need it, right? Cause you always have to be able to send somebody somewhere, but it's not like it doesn't need to be this like rabbit hole of like, oh my gosh, constantly keeping up to date. Cause a lot of the times, you know, you build your freelance career off of, you can kickstart it with the cold pitching and you can always do that again. If you need to drum up more work, if things dry up, which is, you know, can happen, but then it grows with referrals and contacts through these relationships that you build by keeping in touch, which we've talked about how you do that. Mm-hmm. And then those contacts and referrals, like nine times out of 10, they just hire you. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. So they,
1: they trust the
0: they do. referral and yeah. like you sound, you sound like, you know what you're talking about. <laughs> on the <phone. laughs> Um, okay. But you say you need to update it. So why do you feel like you need to update it now?
1: Um, I think it's one of those things where like, I always feel like you need to update your website until someone's like, Hey, I love your website. Like (laughs) let's work together. So (laughs) since I haven't, I haven't tested it out. And so I just, Oh, you know, it's always a work in progress. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and what is your thought about putting the pricing directly on your website? Why are you thinking about doing that?
1: Um, I want to do that just to avoid like an awkward conversation. Like I think sometimes when people have to ask, they feel uncomfortable, like, Mm. They feel like maybe they sound like they can't afford you or something mm-hmm. like that. Or, or they, then they're in the position where they have to tell you like, actually, I can't afford you, which you, they're probably not going to say they're going to say something else. But right. having that information on your website makes it so like you're not having awkward conversations, you're not making it awkward for the, the
0: brand.
1: And then you're also not talking with a bunch of people who can't afford you.
0: Right. So it's just like a filter to get like so that you can spend your time more wisely with the people that, OK, once they've checked the prices, they're like, OK, she's in range.
1: Yeah. 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 And then also you're not in a spot where you're like, man, I've talked to like three brands in a row that I'm too expensive for. Maybe my prices are too expensive when they're, they're not, they're just too expensive for those brands. They're just the
0: wrong brands. Yeah. 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 I like that because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, every brand wants the cheapest price possible. There are brands that do want the cheapest price possible. And guess what? Those are just not your clients. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Those aren't my clients. Yeah.
0: There's other (laughs) clients out there that will pay. Um, and then when you find those, you get those few, then they, the people that they refer to are kind of in the same category and that they'll pay the same prices. Like they don't, they tend to not like refer you to like really cheap clients.
1: Yeah. Or they'll refill like, like mention you to everyone they know. And then when they get to the pricing, they'll talk about pricing with that person and the person will be like, Oh, they're out of my price range. So you don't, you don't even have the conversation ever. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so I know just because I know you and I know your character and you as a person. I also know because I think I remember talking to you about this in the SFF course, but you get a lot of referrals. You get a lot of repeat work. um, And like you just said, people, your clients tell everybody that they know about you. Um, There are some things that you probably do, and I think you do a lot of them out of just nature. That's just who you are as a person. Um, and I'm kind of trying to extract something from you here, but I, if you're not getting it, let me know. And I'll just like call it out and then you can tell some examples. Uh, but there's something that you're doing with your clients, with the projects that leads to them coming back for more work, them referring you to everybody that they know. What is it? Yeah.
1: Um, well, I, th- I don't know. I think it's like a, Probably a few things. Like, I actually really care. Like, I care about the project. I care about the brand. I care about the person that I'm working with. Uh-huh. And I think that comes across. And then I also, like, I'm doing things that, like, hiding your class you describe as extra credit. But for me, I'm like, that's the bare minimum. What are you talking about? <laughs> so just like, I am, like, by default, I think over delivering just because that's yeah. how I work. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's probably those things. And like, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm dependable, I'm responsive, I follow up, like I do all those things. So they know, you know, that, that they can rely on you.
0: Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about some of the over-delivering things that you do? Because I, there's a concern for a lot of people that like, oh, I'm just going to do more work and I'm not going to get paid. And then the branch is going to take advantage of me. Um, But again, I think that tends to be those cheap clients that like, aren't your clients in the first place. Yeah, But like, what are some examples of ways that you, other than being responsive and timely and all the things, which let me tell you, news alert guys, uh, a lot of people are not, I've hired a lot of freelancers and let me tell you, they are flaky AF as general rule of thumb. So as soon as you are timely and responsive and like actually deliver and stay in touch and keep people up to date, it is that alone is a world of difference. Um, But beyond that, like, what are some of the little over-delivery things that you do? Can you give some specific examples?
1: Yeah, I mean, I probably don't even know what they all are because to me they're just, like, what you do. But I know (laughs) in, like, in your class you talk about one of the over-delivery things you could do is, like, when you're doing, like, designer trend report, like, you, you know, like, may have a brand's name on it, have a cover page. I'm like, of course I have that. (laughs) Like, you want to give them something that they can use right away. Like, I'm going to give this trend report for you and I'm going to have it like brand it with your name, have my name at the bottom, but also have it branded with your name so you can show your team and talk about it. Like Mm -hmm. you don't have to go back in and change anything. It's just like done for you. And then I always like for like their tech packs, I have their logo on it, like from their website and I customize it with like kind of their like signature colors, like that kind of thing, like make it look like them and make it pretty. Yeah. So just like what I think of as like, of course, that's what you do. I think not
0: a lot of people do those things. They don't. As a fact. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and so then they really appreciate that, and then you deliver it on time or maybe even deliver it like a day early, and then they're like, oh, my gosh, she's amazing. Yeah. Um, Or like you commented earlier about the follow-up, right? Like you were like, I keep in touch with people, and even though I feel like initially you felt like you were pestering, like they really like that, and they're like, you follow up a lot. Like, let's work with you. That's why we want to work with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I actually had someone – like, literally all I, – I hadn't talked to him yet. Literally all I had done was send him an email the day before to, like, confirm our call, mm-hmm. like, our discovery call the next day. Mm-hmm. And he told me – he hired me, like, much later. This was, like, a, a March a March client. <laughs> um, <laughs> much later, he was like, I knew everything I needed to know about working with you from, like, our initial, like, emails. I was like, really? <laughs> like, wait till we start working together. You'll really be impressed. Yeah. Like, it's a pretty, pretty like – I don't know. I feel like it's a low bar for what people expect, so –
0: it you're is, just, yeah.
1: You know, good at your job. It's pretty easy to make clients happy.
0: Yeah. It is kind of a low bar. I yeah. I have learned that the hard way from working with people. It's unfortunately the bar is low. Yeah. Um, not all you listening out there. You guys are kick ass. Um, <laughs> but these are the little things that really, really do make a difference. And they are so simple, but yeah. it's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's a gap in the market for like
1: good freelancers. Like there really is. Yeah. For
0: like good, reliable freelancers. Yeah.
1: Um, Cause most
0: people like that aren't like quitting their full-time jobs. So that's true. That's true. Or they're so good that they, they are doing their own completely independent thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like a lot of, um, on like people who are so good, you're like, okay, you're just going to figure out your own thing. Like I'm not even going to get, I'm not even gonna be able to get you to work for me because you're that good that like you just do will do your own independent thing. Yeah. Um I don't know if that made any sense. I feel like I was blabbering. Uh that's okay. Um (laughs) So how much are you working right now? Are you doing like part-time or like, can you, would you be, I know you don't want to talk specific numbers and that's totally fair, but would you be willing to talk a little bit about like, I'm working part-time and I'm making a part-time salary in relation to what I was working, making full-time or like I'm working okay. part-time and I'm actually making more than what I would have been working, making part-time as full-time. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So what? I'm working, I mean, it really varies. Like I, at a bare minimum, I'm working like 10 hours a week Okay, because on a bad like a well a normal or a not as great day. Like the kid sleeps two hours a day. So working those two hours a day. Sometimes he sleeps more. Yeah. Like I don't generally turn like good fitting work away. So I'm not like capping myself at ten hours I'm not gonna turn work away. Okay. Um so sometimes I'll, you know, like get up at five and work for a few hours sure. before sure. He wakes up and then working half time and then work in the evening. So like, it's a range. So, I've definitely worked 40 hour weeks.
0: <laughs> wow, that's a lot with a kid at it home is full a time. Lot. Yeah, it's a lot. So, yeah.
1: it, there's a range. And then, so, like, in relation to what I was making before, I, I'm not great at math. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you have a spreadsheet yeah, maybe or something. You're making like, I do. Is that annoying if I'm clicking on my computer? No. Um, so, I'm making.
0: These Are things that I think it's good for people to hear, and I, uh, you know, um, I, I respect everybody's like, um, uh, decision on whether to talk about direct numbers or not, but regardless, <clears> I <throat> think it's good to talk about the bigger picture like, what is the reality of this? Yeah, so I'm making like half of what I
1: was before,
0: okay, working like okay. 10 to.
1: Yeah, I usually do not work 40 hours a week, but there was, I had a really good month. <laughs> um, so yeah, working at a bare minimum 10 hours a week, I'm making like half of what I was making before, which you
0: know, I think is pretty good. Yeah. So honestly, like dollar to dollar, you're probably making a little more.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, dollar to dollar. If I was working 40 hours a week, so I would be making Well, no, 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 20.
0: not 40 hours a week, but like if you were working like 10 hours at a full-time job versus 10 hours of freelancing, like oh, you're like oh, hour yeah. to hour. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. definitely like, you can make a lot more money. Okay. That's awesome. Yes, for sure. So, right, if life was different and we had daycare and stuff and you had the desire to – and you're not even, like, out there trying to get work. No. Yeah. No, not right now. Okay. I love this. I love this so much. Like, it's, everything is – I mean, I could say it's falling into your lap, but, like, you have done the groundwork and built the foundation so that the work comes to you. And, again, a lot of those things are just in your personality. but And you're like, of course, that's a bare minimum. How could you not do that? And that's how I feel for a lot of things. Um but the work is coming you have built right you you did the hard work at the beginning and built the foundation with the cold pitching which is hard and uncomfortable and scary but then you like built the it's like the iceberg effect right you did all the work about below and now you've got this great thing that is just growing on its own yeah yeah am I fabricating any yeah. of that or that's really how it sounds no no
1: that is that's that's basically how it feels I have thought of something to say and then I'm forgetting what it was. Okay. Yeah. I think I was just thinking, this is a little off subject, but you were talking about like the cold pitching and being uncomfortable. Yeah. But like once, like once I got into that, I actually found it pretty fun. Like the oh, cold email really? pitching, it's like, it's like the chance card of Monopoly. Like you don't really know what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> Could be anything. So I thought it was fun because I would typically hear back from people like at the end of when I was pitching, I would, I would send 10 and I'd hear back from eight. I wouldn't oh talk to God. them all, but yeah. I'd hear back from most of them. Yeah. And so it was fun. It's like, it's like a video game.
0: (laughs) Oh, how cool. I love that. Like it was so scary and then you like actually wound up really loving it. Yeah. It's fun. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you one other question. Oh yeah. How does it feel like to have gone? I mean, it's a pretty big transformation, I think, to have gone from being in your full time career and never thinking about freelancing as anything you would want to do, or maybe you just weren't even thinking about it in general to Mm -hmm. now you're in this position where you're like, I do the work and the work comes to me and I'm just working and it's all working. Like, how does it feel? Yeah. To have gone from like never even considering it to now, like you've built this business and this career that like, it's, the work is just generating for you. I mean, it feels pretty good. Um, Like,
1: I don't know. I always like it when I reach a goal Yeah, <laughs> and I've done this a couple of times where I like made a big jump and it's like a risk and it's scary. And so it's just like self-affirming that if I want to do something crazy and scary, like I can do it. It's like, it feels, it's empowering. I would yeah. say it
0: feels empowering. Yeah. Like what's, are you just talking about in general, just g- taking the jump into freelancing? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, definitely like a jump. Cause I had no work when I quit. Yeah. So. <laughs> not always the wisest thing to do, but that's what a lot of people do It's what I did too. And yeah. Um, amazing. I am so, so, so excited for you. Um, like what, do you have any specific plans for the future on, I mean, other than, you know, maybe updating your website and adding some pricing or whatnot, but like as far as growth or any big goals, or are you just kind of like, things are good. We're getting at the tail end of COVID. Maybe things will change in the next few months for life. And like, what are you thinking about for the future?
1: Yeah, so, like, long-term future, um, I used to think I definitely wanted to go back
0: in-house,
1: but now, and I might I might still want to do that, but now I'm thinking more, like, I would like to grow into, like, an agency, I want to basically hire all the people that I loved working with that I know with, like, a more, like, flexible job situation mm. or, like, um, this is actually my, this part is, like, my friend's idea. Who is working on this to, like, hire, you know, you age out of this industry. Like, that's a reality. Like, you age out. If you're in design, maybe you're going to be a VP, but probably going to age out. So, like, kind of hiring those people who are getting laid off, or who are great at what they do, and they're just, you know, losing their jobs because that's the reality of our industry. So, like, being able to hire, like, those people and maybe, so, like, maybe I would be full-time with a couple other full-time people, and then I would work with, like, a bunch of freelancers and then be able to offer, like, all the services because like right now I don't do sourcing and there are some things I would rather not do. So hiring those people so I could be like a full service agency. Like that's kind of the long term.
0: Oh cool. Depending on how things go, like the long term goal. That's amazing. So like you would probably ultimately wind up like managing the big picture and managing the clients. I mean ultimately you could actually get someone to do that as well. And then you have a team that like gets all the work done.
1: Yeah. I would like to do the work still too. So okay. we'll see. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see what happens in general, but like, I would,
0: you know, see how it kind of played out, but right, yeah. But fill in some gaps where you don't, you don't have expertise or you just don't want to do it.
1: Yeah. And like create like a part-time option for people who want that and don't, for whatever reason, don't feel comfortable like trying to do something like I did where I just like quit my job to freelance, (laughs) (laughs) giving them like a more stable, a more stable version of that.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. I'm really, really excited to hear that that's, that's um, some of your plans for the future. I know you'll get there. <laughs> we'll have to do another catch-up episode in like a year or two and see where you're at. Yeah, that would be awesome. That would be super awesome. Um, thank you so much for chatting with me today, Amy. I, uh, well, first of all, where can people find you online to check out your awesome, outdated <laughs> website that doesn't matter? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So my website is Amy Lynn's design. So Amy, A-M-Y Lynn, L-Y-N-N-S and then design.com. I'm on Instagram at amylinsdesign.com And then I'm on LinkedIn, um, just as my name. So
0: Amy Barnhart. Okay. We'll link to all that. Okay, cool. We'll link to all that in the show notes. For people, um, and then I'm gonna ask you the question I ask everybody at the end, which has recently changed because. Oh we, no, I was prepared. <laughs> okay, you well, you know what? I think you're. <laughs> of course, you were prepared. I'm gonna throw you a little curveball here, but it's very similar. Okay. Um, but since we've changed the podcast from SFD to SFF, um, successful fashion designer, successful fashion freelancer, um, the question is. What is one thing people never ask you about being a fashion freelancer that you wish they would? So maybe your answer will still kind of work ish? Uh, I mean, I could
1: use the same answer. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: let me think for a second before I just do that. Okay, that's fine. Um, I guess I think people don't think this is a thing or like believe mm. it's a thing. Like, I, when I was leaving my job, I only knew one person, not counting you, Heidi, I didn't know you then, who had done this. And so people don't really think it's a thing. So I maybe just asking, like, what do you do? What do you do? How did you get started? Like, what are you actually
0: doing? Yeah. My last guest said that she gets really annoyed when people say, oh, how's your little freelance thing going? And she's like, okay. no, I'm like, it's a full career. Like I'm making a great wage and I'm like really doing this. It's not a little, but I think especially in fashion, people make this assumption that like, oh, you're making like $5 a week doing drawings or I don't know, right? Is that kind of what yeah. you're thinking? Um, I'm thinking more
1: like industry, actual industry people who don't.
0: Okay, you know,
1: I, I mean, I didn't know this. I, I wasn't interested, but I didn't know this was a thing. And when I was leaving my job, I got a—I I got a lot of, you're going to be a stay-at-home mom. I was like, <laughs> oh, oh God, you're touching a nerve. <laughs> like that's fine, but that wasn't my goal. That's not my goal. Yeah. Like, no, it's a really a thing. Like I still want to work. I just yeah. want more flexibility. Yeah.
0: I think I remember talking to you after you joined the SFF program and you were like, yeah, I like found this random girl on the internet who like <laughs> said you could do this. So I took a leap of faith and I trusted her that I could do it. But look, you're fucking doing it.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Well, you seemed very credible and I sent you to my friend and I was waiting for her to be like, "She doesn't seem like she knows what she's talking about." My friend was like, "Yeah, everything she's saying makes a lot of sense." It's <laughs> like, "All right." And I knew, I knew my my old manager actually had freelance successfully for like 10 years before she came to work for her.
0: Oh. Gotcha. We were right. at. So I did know that was, was like the one person you knew.
1: Yep, that was a one person I knew.
0: Yeah, and that was like so real, like, true freelance, not like permalance. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. So okay, so it's more just that like people don't actually think it's a thing in the industry. Yeah, that like it's a reality that like you can actually do this and like make a career out of it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Less the judgment from outside people, like, oh, you're a little freelance gig. <laughs> Yeah, no, the, I had a different answer for the
1: okay. <laughs> the fashion in general.
0: Well, then was, let's hear you know. it because, you know, oh. for like, let's do a little throwback here for old time's <laughs> sake. Um, the old question, what is one thing people never ask you about working in fashion that you wish they would?
1: I mean, it's pretty similar, but okay. it, like, <laughs> I literally have had someone ask me like why my job was a job. Like when I was like in-house, like why is, what? why why does someone need to do that? And just like, and I showed her like my website at the time and I had like some technical like work on there just to show her like what a tech pack looks like why you actually need it. But uh-huh. so that wasn't a great way to ask that question, but I feel like a lot of people don't understand what we actually do. So like just yeah. ask like what do you do? Like what do you do all day? Like how do you make a garment? Yeah. And maybe a, like a more respectful way.
0: <laughs> but
1: <laughs> yeah, just like asking ask what we do.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. What does it actually take? I always compare mm-hmm. it to like when I'm explaining a tech pack, I'm like, it's like a blueprint for a house. You need a blueprint yep. to build a house. You need a blueprint to build a garment. Like obviously, yep. a garment is a lot smaller and less details, but still, you have to know where things go. Yeah, and what that's what I
1: used to. Yeah, yeah. it's like the, it's everything the factory needs to make the garment.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, great answer. I'm glad we got the opportunity to do both. (laughs) Um, so much fun chatting with you and thank you for sharing everything and all the great tips and all the experiences about your amazing career. And we'll have to catch up again in a couple years. Yeah. Thanks so much. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the successful fashion freelancer podcast. I hope you're having a kick ass day, whatever you're doing, wherever you just spent the last hour listening to Amy and I chat and really, really found the show informative. This was such a fun interview and really great to catch up with Amy. So I hope you walked away with a lot of great insights. Also, I do have to give a big shout out to Mark and Tara. Mark is my husband who does all the tech and editing and my right hand badass in the business, Tara, who does all the podcast production and coordination and all the things and make sure it gets scheduled and so many things you guys have no idea about. So she does so much. Thank you, Tara, you are the best. Um, And I am so, so, so excited to have focused the podcast down to specifically talking about freelancing, you guys. I love this topic. I am so excited and passionate about it because it is really the only way that i found to have a work-life balance in the fashion industry. And if you are struggling with that, or maybe you just wanna make some extra money on the side while you're working your job, Freelancing is an amazing way to do that, as you can see from Amy's experience, and you know from my experience, and my story going from zero dollars to six figures as a freelancer, um, and finally getting the schedule that I wanted, where I could travel. You know, I know travel is a little hard right now with the pandemic. Um, by the time this gets released, though, maybe things will be better. um Things are starting to get better. That's good. Okay, we do need to talk about the pandemic. Ah, it's been too much the past year. But yeah so if you want to freelance on the side and escape some of those corporate bs politics or like amy talked about if you feel like you're aging out of the industry freelancing is much more inclusive um, and a great way for you to get to still do the work that you love and still work in fashion but getting to do it on your own terms so i'm going to help you with that you can check out my best free resources at soheidi.com freelance I have linked directly to that in the show notes so you can scroll down wherever you're listening to click directly through. You can also check out the resources that we mentioned in this episode will be linked there as well. And I think that's it. All right, badasses, have a great day. And thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you in the next episode of the Successful Fashion Freelancer Podcast.